Hey, it's 7.33, Monday morning. Uh, it's like uh, June 20... I'm going to say 24th. Let's see. I think Friday was the 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Yes, today's the 24th of June 2019, in case you are some sort of time traveler or someone in the future who is now listening to this on the now-defunct internet. Driving to work after having had, like, very, very little sleep last night. Uh, I don't know what was up. I slept in in the morning till probably 9.30, 9 o'clock yesterday. So I, I got a good sleep in. And uh, kind of had a busy day. We, we did all sorts of things. Uh, I did some reading, which was nice. I guess I can talk about that in a minute. But as I said, uh, it was a it was a good good weekend. Claire and I went and we did piano on Saturday. We um, well, what else did we do? We didn't do a whole lot else. We we kind of hung out. We did a lot of hanging out this weekend. Um, I just. On Saturday, I just chilled. I, I just relaxed. I, I decided that I wasn't really going to do anything. <laughs> and I just, I took it easy. And it was lovely. It was lovely to be able to just, just, just not worry. Not worry about doing anything. And um, kind of do what I wanted to do. We had tacos for dinner on Saturday. And I always love taco night. Tacos are just such fun Although, you know, I've always preferred, <laughs> I've preferred the hard shell tacos or tacos. I don't know. How do you say it? This is a debate in our house. Taco or taco or, or taco, 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 taco. I don't know. It's always about the A. doesn't matter. It's not what I was talking about. So last night, after having sort of just like a calm, cool weekend, um... I could not fall asleep for the life of me. I think there's probably a couple of reasons why that was happening. One, as I had suggested earlier, I was I had slept in on Sunday morning. I, I you know, I usually get up around six o'clock every morning. And I will in turn, even on weekends, wake up now regularly at about that time. Um, I might not get out of bed, but I'll I'll definitely uh, be awake. But for some reason, yesterday morning when I woke up, it was like 9, 9 o'clock, 9.15, 9.30, and I don't even think that I had even stirred at 6 o'clock. And it was a great, it was great. It was kind of nice to realize that, oh, I had slept in and everybody allowed me to. And uh, so that could have been one factor that it made it so that I could not sleep last night. And I was lying in bed just kind of having what... I think was, I think it was uh, essentially a dark night of the soul, and I've heard this term before, dark night of the soul, and it always sounds so ominous, and I, I think upon sort of reflecting what it was last night, I think it was a dark night of the soul, but it just wasn't... It wasn't ominous. It wasn't bad. It was not a bad thing. 
other than I basically ended up only having probably four and a half hours of sleep last night because it kind of kept me up, kept me thinking. But I had one of those nights where it was just uh, I uh, part two of why I think maybe I stayed awake and was a- unable to fall asleep was that I was listening to some to, to some music and. <laughs> I don't know if you uh, have HBO television or Crave TV or any of those things. I don't know if you follow along on what's been hip and popular on television lately. But lately on uh, HBO, one of the popular shows, other than Game of Thrones, which I've never seen an episode, uh, has been a show called Big Little Lies. And it's... uh, an ensemble cast show. It stars Nicole Kidman and uh, oh, uh, Reese Witherspoon. Uh, what's that other actress's name? Uh, it'll come to me at some point. Doesn't matter. Laura Dern, among others. Uh, Zoe Kravitz is in this. I mean, there's some pretty amazing acting going on in this show. But, you know, and the story's okay. Especially the first season, the story was pretty good. It was kind of mysterious. There was a mystery. There was something that happened. And it was kind of slowly revealed over the, I don't know, eight, ten episodes of of the season as to what exactly happened. And, you know, it was revealed in the final episode of the first season. And I figured basically that was a good, that was a good spot to just kind of end it. But they've decided to release a second season. They made a second season. I guess it was uh, popular enough, and in typical American and U- you know U.S. television and uh, even Canadian television ways, if it's popular, they'll try to spin it and keep it going. Makes more money on it, I guess. Um, make more content for people to watch, I guess. Especially with these subscription services, you got to have stuff to watch. So, if people liked it, they want to see some more, perhaps. So anyway, if nothing else, uh, you know, as we start, sorry, we started watching the second season last night. And if nothing else, this show has someone who chooses the music that is just like bang on. They are so good at choosing music. The music that they select, they have selected for the show time and again has been spectacular. Um, and for instance, the theme song for the for the show Big Little Lies, in case you missed that, um, is by a guy named Michael, and I can't remember his last name. It starts with a K. Uh, I can't remember his last name. It's like Michael Kuwami, but it's not Kuwami. It's like that. I think it's got a W in it. It's like a K-U-W. Doesn't matter. You can look it up. The name of the song is Cold Little Heart. And if you were to search on the internet, in fact, I'm probably going to end up playing it after I talk about it. So, don't worry. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, search it out. Cold Little Heart. It is, uh, I guess it's a newer song. But it has this um, feeling of being an old soul. Like a, like a really like classic Detroit soul tune, 
and he has just hit the mark on the the just the feeling of this music. Bleeding, I'm 
Maybe this time I can go far Thinking about where I've been The, the, been helping the, me the pining, the yearning, the laying out of oneself And it's, it's great So I, while we were watching the episode last night I decided to start making a playlist with uh, with that music, you know, it's basically it's a playlist I called "Songs I've Heard on Television." <laughs> so it includes that song, <clears throat> and it also included, among other things, three other songs that uh, I guess were played on the show last night, uh, the episode that we watched. One of them was a Sinead O'Connor version of uh, "All Apologies" by Nirvana, uh, which I'm generally. I don't know how I feel about cover tunes. I, cover tunes. If I suppose if I if I know the original tune, I often um, I often don't like the cover. If I know the cover, I often don't like the original. It's just kind of what you get used to, I suppose. Uh, but this was a cover of uh, Nirvana's "All Apologies." All apologies. Although I always want to say "All Apologies" because I guess the way that Kurt Cobain always sang it and the sort of cadence of it. Um. It's it's an interesting version of it. I don't know if it's going to remain on the list. It was uh, it sounded cool in the show. And then there was uh, an artist called Cassandra Wilson. I swear I've I've heard her before. I don't know much about her, um, but she did a version of Neil Young's Harvest Moon, which uh, I'm going to say is way better than his original version. Uh, it's beautiful, and the the instrumentation behind it is 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 um minimal and i would say novel and quirky uh it's reminiscent of sort of the the sounds of the night where one might be you know sitting by the the lakeside and uh, gazing up at the moon and realizing how much they love someone so that was on the list So I was lying there in bed listening to this because I lately I, I I just need some music or something and <laughs> I need so I don't know I was kind of this was one of the things I started thinking about because it was a dark night of the soul but I, I've needed something to fall asleep to to listen to something to kind of basically <laughs> as I thought kind of jokingly to myself last night something to drown out the screaming in my head. <laughs> Just to drown out those thoughts as you lie there trying to fall asleep. Now, traditionally, I don't have any trouble falling asleep. I fall asleep in about five to eight minutes. Because I'm tired at the end of the day. I just lie down, close my eyes, and I fall asleep. I'm pretty good at allowing myself to go. And and in the last little while, I've just been doing it with the aid of uh, this ridiculous little app that I have that I think it's supposed to, you know, it, it claims to play alpha waves or beta waves or something like that that, you know, help you to heal yourself or <clears throat> get better memory or relax and stuff like that. I don't know. I think that's all... It's all bullshit. But there is a particular sort of relaxation program that's on there that has uh, some music on it that is kind of uh, Brian Eno-esque and it has some sounds on it that tend to actually somehow focus my brain to being unfocused. You know, focus it on sleeping, on on just sort of 
escaping, turning it in, turning it off, really. But but by turning on something else and kind of like I don't know if I, I guess the only way I can describe it is it kind of like squeezes it to a one sort of focal point where all the whole thing is just to get to that get to that moment that I, I'm sure we all must experience just before sleep where you're just about to fall asleep and I find that that moment is just splendid you're just letting yourself go it's that moment when you feel the most free and something just takes you away out of your out of your body out of your bed out of just off of this plane at least that's how I fall asleep so I turned the I decided last night you know that one of those songs uh, was in my head as I was heading to bed night they were kind of they're kind of like calm and mellow tunes and uh, and so I started listening to them and I was so close to falling asleep I was right there and then uh, a song by the spinners came on and it was the first song that was played in the first episode of the second season for Big Little Lies uh, it's a song called uh, I'll Be There or no sorry I'll Be Around I'll be there is a Jackson Five song, but this is uh, this is the Spinners. I'll be around. And when it played in the episode, I was like, "Oh, I know that song. I knew it from the very first chords uh, that were strummed, I guess, or played in in the song in the episode." Um, but the interesting thing was that I didn't really. I wasn't positive that that was it. I was at least sort of reminded of the song as it started because I didn't remember the sort of opening verse, I guess, that then ends with, I'll be around. I hadn't remembered that, that all of the sort of lyrics that were in that verse. And as in, as, you know, is sort of a typical fashion when you have only heard a certain song's either on cheap AM radios or um, at a distance. Like, this was a song from the 70s. I think it's from 73, maybe 75. I can't remember. But my experience of that song was always at a distance, always not, definitely not headphone listening. And once again, last night when it came on this show, I recognized it. I didn't really sort of think much about it other than, wow, that is a good song. I haven't heard that in a long time. I threw it on this playlist because, you know, it's got a good sound to it. And I was like, okay, we're just, this is, you know, I got to start populating this playlist that is uh, songs I heard on TV. Well, something happened when this song came on. I had this feeling that the, well, first of all, listening to it on headphones was amazing it was it was brilliant i i'm i don't know if you've had this experience but like i say sometimes you suddenly hear a song in a very very different way either while you're listening to it on a car stereo or sitting in a a quiet room and with a really good stereo system or with some headphones on and you start to realize the dimension and the depth or the the expression 
you realize something particular about the song or you hear something in the song that you never heard before. And that's what happened to me last night. Wearing my my sleeping headphones, which are basically, they're kind of, uh, they're, they're okay headphones. I mean, they are, um, they're a soft headband that have these uh, essentially earbud speakers that are on, uh, I think, probably like felt discs that are embedded into this headband and they kind of go over your ears and you can hear the music. Well, the nature of the headband is that it's fabric and it doesn't always sort of fit nicely around your ears so you don't always get the full depth of whatever it is you're listening to it's always kind of just a little bit off but sometimes sometimes it's positioned just right and the volume on the on the my iPhone which I listen to this stuff on is just at the right volume that you hear it. You hear the depth. And I think that I was so focused last night and, and it was in just the right spot that I heard this whole song and I heard it in a new way. And it was one of those songs that as I was kind of... I wasn't fully there, as I said, to that falling asleep part. But, I don't know, call, I was in a state. I was in a state of not full consciousness, I guess, or full regular being. Um, one might even say, like, if it was, if I had smoked some pot or taken some some mushrooms or something like that, it was like a mild high that I was on. I, uh, that's the only way I can uh, um, describe it. Um, and it was it was striking to me that this song was so damn good um, it came across to me like well I started to believe that there are certain songs for instance and certain pieces of art that somehow they don't reveal the secret but they definitely allude to the fact that they are the they hold the key to the secret of the universe <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous it sounds ridiculous it sounds like hyperbole but there was something about listening to that song at that moment last night where it was it was as if these people had created something that was magical and deeply rooted and connected to the secrets of everything. Whatever it was, it just, it seemed to to make sense and be one of those songs that when you listen to it, I guess the only word one could say is, is sublime. I remember uh, uh, I don't know, reading a quote or hearing a professor of mine talk about uh, was it Etienne Boulez, uh, an architect. Uh, he I don't th- I don't know if he ever actually had anything built, but uh, Etienne Boulez was a sort of a uh, boy. He was a, I think he was a French architect uh, from I don't know when. 
and he would do a lot of theoretical architecture and there was a particular piece that was uh, was meant to be a um, it was like a cenotaph for uh, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it wrong but it was like for Galileo or something like that the idea being that it was this big dome that had these tiny perforations in the in the, the ceiling the roof that inside would always be dark like midnight but these tiny holes in the roof when the light was shining outside would be like looking up at the night sky and looking deep into the stars and the universe and you know it was basically a um, uh, what do they call it Uh, oh stop yelling at me now my brain's yelling at me too, saying, you know what this is? <laughs> you know, the planetarium? It was basically a planetarium in a way, showing the stars and the planets and the, the night sky. Uh, but well, well before they had the technology to be able to project that kind of stuff onto the ceilings. And the quote was that staring into the sublime was the feeling that one feels when you stare into the abyss of the universe or something to that effect and you contemplate it and and that feeling is you know that looking into almost understanding everything <laughs> and I know it's a 1970s uh, song by a band called The Spinners they probably recorded it just because it sounded good they had a good good guitar lick but to me, last night, in the middle of having my dark night of the soul, that song was everything to me. It was it was a trigger. Uh, it made me start to think about ah, about my wife, about my my daughter, about myself, about my mother, about my father, about my brothers, about my whole life in general thus it became sort of a dark night of the soul in that I was lying in the dark it was nighttime, and I was doing some real soul searching I don't know that I ever figured anything out other than it seems like there is there are there are there is there is a certain type of artwork be it music be it um, art that can from time to time give one that feeling of of contemplating the universe, the sublime without really knowing it Uh, there's a few songs that I can sort of offhand I know of that give me that feeling that it's it's like it holds the secret of all that is good in music and in the world this I'll be around last night was one of them another one I would say is there was a song by um, a DJ from years ago uh, he went by the name of Ashley Beadle um, he had a project that he called the Black Science Orchestra and there was a track that uh, a, a buddy of mine who was a DJ at the time he would play of theirs uh, it was called Save Us and uh, was it Save Us? yes and it was Phenomenal! It was one of those ones that every time I heard it, I felt like this 
is magical. This is this is pure art. This is pure energy. This is the this is this embodies all that is life. This is this this is the key to revealing the secret to the meaning. In terms of artwork, I remember standing in front of um, Uh, there was a, a version of um, Las Meninas that uh, Pablo Picasso had done at one point. If you don't know, I think I may have talked about this before on the podcast, but Las Meninas was a um, a painting by an artist called Velasquez. And um, there was a... Uh, chapter or an introduction in the the beginning of a Michel Foucault book called The Order of Things. And if for no other reason, uh, read, read, if you don't read the rest of that book, read the beginning uh, of The Order of Things, Michel Foucault's examination of Las Meninas. Uh, It's brilliant. In fact, I think I'm going to have to hunt it out again and um, and read it for myself. But there was a moment when I was standing in front of a surprise to me in, um, I believe I was in, I think I was in Barcelona. Was it Barcelona? I'll have to, rem- I can't remember fully now. Um, but it was a uh, small Picasso gallery in Spain that my best friend Mark and I had wandered into. We, I don't even know how we had heard about it, but we went in and it was showing a collection of early Picasso work, uh, went through his early art school years where he was doing figurative work, where he was doing realistic work. He was doing, you know, uh, the blue period, that that stuff um and one of the one of the works that suddenly came up as we made our way upstairs was his version of a study of the Las Meninas um painting and it was it was it was deep he did a lot of work into it and this was in his sort of I'm going to say it was in his early Cubist days. It was just after, I think, Les Les Demoiselles d'Avignon was was painted. I think it must have been after it because he was definitely sort of working on that Cubist... um, The Cubist vision, the, 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 the way of moving in and out of... presenting many different perspectives all at once which is kind of what Las Meninas was trying to do in the first place uh, I had a professor in in architecture school who um, taught a course to me that I found ever ever so valuable that introduced me into this it was called the foundations of modernism and this was uh, this painting the Velasquez um, Las Meninas was was essential in terms of where modernism would go. At least that was his thesis, and it was why I ended up reading that Michel Foucault essay at the beginning of The Order of Things. 
but standing there staring at Picasso's version his looking at this painting I felt like I was looking at the key I held it in my hand that if I could just understand it just enough or or create something of my own that was like that that I too would somehow understand the universe and I started to realize last night that that is kind of the thing that is what that that drives creativity at least for me to a certain extent it's this feeling deep in my gut that that I have the power to create something that will reveal the meaning of the world to me. I just got to find the right thing to do. I got to find the right way to do it. I got to find my milieu. And I think that that can sometimes be... I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a ridiculous... Um, ridiculously difficult bar to set for yourself. It's a huge high bar for one to set for themselves when it comes down to creativity. That To think that, well, I, I uh, this is the goal, the ultimate goal of my creating and of my creativity is to reveal to myself the secrets of the universe. No wonder I can't finish anything. <laughs> and and I, and I, I, I think that this is where the process of, of creating is is so important is because it it can start to inform you of yourself, which ultimately it's only within you that you're going to find the secret of the for you, the secret of the universe, the secret, the meaning of your life. It's not so much about what it is that you're creating in the end. Perhaps the thing that you create in the end, if it is, I don't know, I've never created that amazing thing. Maybe once one finds, once one finds whatever it is, that key to discovering the secrets of the universe, i.e. those things that represent all that is you. Maybe once you finally discover those things and you can somehow represent that or or explore that through your artistic creation once you put it down that there is your masterpiece it embodies all that is to you the secret of the universe so was I'll be around one of those things for those artists I doubt it was creating Las Meninas Velasquez's or Picasso's revelation into the secrets of the universe? Perhaps. I don't know, because Picasso seemed to be looking for something, right? He was looking for something with the way that he was representing the world around him in this new world of photography and and being able to get an exact representation of all the things that are around us. But then you have the motion picture and you have movement multiple points of view that can happen over amount of time. How do you overlay them? How does photogrammetry have to do with that? How does montage and collage have to to work with that? 
And you can see where he starts to explore this because this is a new way of looking. Is this to him the secret of the universe? Is this somehow revealing what it is that his... His job is, his meaning in life is. Not everybody finds it. For sure, not everybody finds it. I don't think. Maybe I can only hope that we all do by the time that we are having the final dark night of the soul. But as I laid there last night and I couldn't fall asleep, I couldn't help but feeling as I listened to that short playlist that I had started creating over and over again until I finally said, you know what, I think this is probably what's keeping me up. I felt like I was listening to the echoes, the record, the hints at the secrets of the universe. I think that, uh, you know, I had had a discussion with my wife earlier in the afternoon. This is probably the third thing that actually got me into thinking about this. I started reading a book called Seven Eves by Neil Stevenson. And in it, the, uh, the very first line is that the moon exploded. For no, re- for no particular reason. Something like that. Premise of the book, I'm only maybe 80 or 100 pages into the book. It's, it's a 900, 800 page book. It's daunting as you stand there, standing, staring at the, the maw of the expanse of the universe. Talk about contemplating the sublime and the vastness of the universe. Standing in or, or, or sitting down with a Neil Stevenson book and opening up the first page one feels small they're huge they're huge books anyway I better get this story done before I get to work because I'm just about there but in this book the moon explodes at the very beginning it busts into seven large chunks and uh, about a week after two weeks after I think I think it's a week after uh, one of the chunks busts you know floats into another one of the chunks they're kind of stuck in the in the moon's regular orbit by its own sort of gravity on, on itself so all these chunks are kind of staying there and they're still orbiting the earth much like the moon would but there are seven big chunks of the moon and um, at some point the two of the large chunks collide into each other and they uh, they break they break into uh, what would eventually be one of the one of the chunks breaks into two pieces, which then makes it so that there are eight enormous chunks of the moon. Uh, the long and the short of it is that uh, sorry, I'm dangling my keys in front of the microphone. The long and the short of it is that um, the one of the scientists in the book who happens to be from the Detroit Windsor area and is a Canadian, so that means he's a Windsorite. Um, he realizes that they need not uh, concern themselves anymore with the reason for the explosion, for the breaking up of the moon, but they really need to concern themselves with what is about to happen 
with those seven pieces, now eight pieces of the moon, that are inevitably going to, at some point, in a logarithmic fashion, start to bang into each other and create smaller and smaller pieces, which will then eventually create what he called the hard rain, which is the pieces of the moon raining onto the earth, falling into our atmosphere, creating a hard rain of falling rock of the moon raining down on us as it enters the atmosphere, catching into a white hot fire that fills the sky and burns the earth up, burns the surface of it, cooks everything. And he figures through his mathematical models that the world has, that the earth has two years left to live. And there's no way they are going to solve the problem of the hard rain. There's no way that they are going to be able to survive it. They are going to be able to fix it. And the world, at least at the beginning from what I can see, I realize that with well over 800 pages left in this novel, that there's going to be something that happens. (laughs) But at least at the beginning of this novel, the world comes together and it starts to try to figure out, well... What are we going to do now? Time for action. And they decide to build the space ark. It's only going to house a couple hundred people maybe. But it has to last, has to ensure the survival of the human race for five to ten thousand years. Because this is how long he figures it's going to take for the earth to heal itself. And I had this discussion with my wife last night or yesterday afternoon as we sat on our patio um, about climate change. We've already been told we've got eight, ten years to fix this before we break this planet. And it seems like nobody's doing anything about it. The world is not coming together. People are not coming together to realize that we are in the danger of the hard rain. So I think I was having some sort of deep thoughts about that as well in the background, thinking about the future, about life. I started thinking about my mother, about her challenges with um, Alzheimer's. I started thinking about how I, I, don't know, I probably will end up like her. And the dark night of the soul began. I know it's a bit of a bummer part to to end on, but, you know, I think we all kind of need, we need these nights. We need these moments. So it, 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 I think they are beneficial in terms of refocusing us and getting us to find a new place in this world. Find a new, maybe if even just for moment, for the moment, a new meaning to our life. Anyway, I'm at work now. It's been 40 minutes. Thank you for joining me. I'm going to throw on that... Um, I think I'm going to throw on that uh, Spinner's tune at the end here so you can enjoy it. I I don't know. Let me know if you think that this song is a reflection of or a representation of the key to the universe. To life, universe, and everything. Is it 42? Anyway, take care. Until next time. Love you. Bye.